Welcome to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School with Michael Benner. Welcome back to the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School podcast. I'm your host, Michael Benner. We continue reading our audiobook version of the paperback and ebook Fearless Intelligence The Extraordinary Wisdom of Awareness. Very happy with the sales of this book, which has just been out a few weeks at this point. And uh, Amazon is perpetually back-ordered. They have scary notices about how it's going to be two months before you get your book. Uh, that's not true. Go ahead and order it. It'll come a lot sooner than that, I promise you. And if you have any issue, you can always email me. Let me know. Give me some feedback. You can reach me easily at my initials at theagelesswisdom.com. So just MB, like Mary Baker, MB, Michael Benner. The initials MB at theagelesswisdom.com. And I answer all my email personally. I'll get back to you. Always appreciate hearing feedback about the podcasts and the book and some of the other things that we're doing. Be sure to sign up for the newsletter if you haven't yet. Best way to do that is go to the portal. I have about a half a dozen websites, so the main portal is michaelbenner.com. And if you go there, Michael is A-E-L, michaelbenner.com, you'll see a button that says free newsletter. All I need is your first name and your zip code and the email address, of course, your primary email address, and we'll add you to the newsletter list right away, and you can follow all of our activities. For example, I'd like to do a live weekend seminar. I almost said webinar, but I mean live old-school kind of seminar here in the Coachella Valley area outside Palm Springs in the winter of 2019. Uh, maybe spring, maybe better said, because I'm thinking March or April, maybe May of 2019. So if you're in Southern California, Nevada, Arizona, somewhere in the Southwest, it'll be easy for you to come by. But we'd love to see you wherever you happen to be. And by getting the newsletter, you can keep in touch and find out when that happens as it unfolds. All right. So let's get going. Chapter 6, Living Mindfully. Awareness unfolds as a holographic fractal. Everything is in the one and the one is in every seemingly separate thing. Doreen and I were winding our way through Beverly Hills and West Hollywood one afternoon when we decided a cup of strong coffee would perk us up. I suggested a Starbucks on the Sunset Strip that had easy parking, so we turned on to La Cienega Boulevard and headed up the hill. The Sunset Strip is a perpetual carnival. New and intriguing sights demand attention. Besides the Venice Beach boardwalk, there's no better place in L.A. to people watch. Day or night, the Strip is a trip. As Dreen ordered coffee for both of us, I lingered at the pastry case. Against my better judgment, I surrendered to my cravings and bought an espresso brownie. Eager to get home, we jumped back into the car and headed down the strip, chatting about the sights. Giant electronic billboards, new shops and cafes, and the most wonderful assortment of people parading up and down the sidewalk. At the end of the strip, I turned left onto Crescent Heights to take Laurel Canyon into the San Fernando Valley. Reaching for the little bag with my espresso brownie in it, I was surprised to find only crumbs. Confused, I thought, someone ate my brownie. 
I quickly concluded it wouldn't have been Doreen. She would have bought one for herself if she'd wanted it, and there was no one in the car to blame. Shifting my attention to my mouth and tongue, I sensed a faint hint of chocolate. I was stunned to realize I had unconsciously devoured the entire brownie, completely failing to savor its delectable sweetness. But there was more. My disappointment turned to dismay as I wondered, what else have I missed? What if I find myself old and infirm before realizing my life is nearly over and I forgot to pay attention? It was a profound revelation. I know about mindfulness. I had written and lectured about its significance for years. I had interviewed John Kabat-Zinn, one of the West's chief evangelists of living mindfully. Yet here, I found myself a victim of my failure to remain mindfully aware. The Brownie incident was a real awakening for me. The more important benefit of mindful awareness became crystal clear. My entire existence depends upon it. Sometime later, I rediscovered Henry David Thoreau's most famous quotation. I went to the woods because I wished to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life, and see if I could not learn what it had to teach and not, when I came to die, discover that I had not lived. Awareness perceives reality. Awareness is the essence of perception, comprehension, and intelligence. It involves purposeful attention and self-observation, mindfully watching our emotions influence the unfolding of ideas. Most of our thoughts are not the result of deliberate reasoning. They are unstructured streams of confused, often irrational ideation that find their way into consciousness from the unconscious mind. Being confused and lost in thought is unawareness. Arguably, my scrumptious brownie ceased to exist the moment I was no longer aware of it. Whenever we allow our self-awareness to drift from the present moment to past regrets, fears of the future, or the distractions of multitasking, another portion of our unique and precious life is lost forever. Some may say we are oblivious to our ignorance. Others might describe it as a fundamental dishonesty about how profoundly confused we are, or maybe it's just a lack of humility. In any event, ignorance indicates an absence of self-awareness more often than low intelligence. Unfolding Self-Awareness Besides human beings, scientific researchers have discovered only nine other species of animals able to recognize themselves in a mirror. Four are primates, orangutans, chimpanzees, gorillas, and rhesus monkeys, plus elephants, bottled-nosed dolphins, orca whales, ants, and European magpies. Except for the magpies, all have brains with an outer layer called the cortex, which connects and coordinates various parts of the brain. Even though magpies and other crows have no cortex, they demonstrate exceptional intelligence and high self-awareness for reasons that remain a mystery. Humans develop the ability to recognize their mirror image between 14 and 18 months of age, but the customary definition of self-awareness in human adults goes far beyond the mirror test. Self-aware people have knowledge of their own individuality, their thought patterns and belief systems, 
emotional feelings and moods, attitudes and motives. Self-awareness also facilitates empathy for others and a sense of how they may perceive us. Dr. Philippe Rochette at Emory University's Department of Psychology has proposed a five-stage model of unfolding self-awareness. Level 1. Differentiation. The sense of self as a separated being begins when infants recognize a distinction between their own bodily movements in a mirror and the movement of other people and things elsewhere in the world. Level 2. Situation. In this stage, infants contemplate the separation between living within their own body and its external reflection in the mirror. Level 3. Identification. Growing beyond their awareness of the mirrored image as separated from the world and the self, children now realize the mirror is reflecting an image of me and no one else. Evolutionary psychologists view this as a significant stage of cognitive growth. Developmental psychologists describe it as the emergence of the conceptual self. Level 4. Permanence. This is the stage at which children begin to understand their existence across space and time. Presented with still photos and videos, we recall the past and anticipate the future, spreading outside this unlike presence of here and now. Level 5. Self-Consciousness. Concern about how we appear to others is a level of maturity that most adults never surpass. Children who yell, look at me, watch this, not only want attention and approval, but also seek to affirm their existence and impact on the world. The Five Types of Awareness as mature adults, we experience five basic types of conscious awareness. The most refined is meta-awareness, spiritual awareness or metacognition, which is the awareness of being consciously aware. The remaining four are mental, emotional, and physical awareness, plus perception of external objects, situations, and events. The awareness of most people is consumed by stimuli from their physical environment and mental thought process. Conscious behavior is third, as most of our actions are habitual or reflexive. Fourth is our emotional nature. We remain unaware of most feelings unless or until they overwhelm us, though women tend to be more emotionally aware than men. Lastly, the awareness of being conscious is so arcane, most people never consider it. The two least developed types of awareness, emotions and consciousness, can be the most fulfilling. Since repressed emotions can trigger impulsive reactionary behavior, the equanimity in self-awareness is needed to produce a deliberate, level-headed, even-tempered approach to understanding. Further, the appeal of aesthetics, kindness, honesty, morality, justice, humor, and wisdom rely on emotional rather than mental awareness. The beauty of a flower, a lilting melody, or a sleeping baby is understood by feelings, not reasoning. In the same way, we are not what we think of ourselves as much as we are what we love and care about. As stated in the previous chapter, we are the love we seek. Healthy self-love is typically concealed by fears of inadequacy and confusion about what other people may think of us. 
Physical awareness includes behavioral, social, and situational awareness. Improving behavioral awareness is mostly about replacing reflexive reactions with well-considered, purposeful alternatives. Social awareness includes empathy, kindness, leadership, and motivational skills. Situational awareness recognizes external circumstances and anticipates potential hazards and the consequences of particular actions. Strangely, only 5% of the known universe is palpable, meaning 95% of it exists beyond our senses. Between 23 and 27% of the universe is invisible dark matter. It does not emit or reflect light, cannot be touched or felt, and is unaffected by electromagnetism. Scientists became aware of it only because of its gravitational effect on tangible matter. Dark energy makes up 68 to 72% of the universe. It became apparent after researchers discovered the universe is expanding at a constantly accelerating velocity. Even within the conventional material world, humans cannot hear sounds pitched higher than 20 kilohertz, nor see frequencies of light below red or above violet. Our smelling and tasting senses are relatively undeveloped compared to many other animals. At our best, we are mentally aware of only the tiniest fraction of the reality in which we are immersed. In a short essay in 1936, Albert Einstein drew upon the ancient Ethiopian proverb, Fish discover water last, writing, Of what is significant in one's own existence, one is hardly aware, and it certainly should not bother the other fellow. What does a fish know about the water in which he swims all his life? Also in the mid to late 1960s, communications theorist Dr. Marshall McLuhan was fond of telling his audiences, we don't know who discovered water, but we're pretty sure it wasn't a fish. Everything that appears to exist outside us is conceived within, an awareness that supports the veracity of non-dual reality. We observe the external world as reflected light strikes photoreceptor cells, sending electrical impulses to our brain where they are organized and comprehended. And while our emotions may arise spontaneously from within, many are internal reactions to external stimuli. Non-duality erases all distinctions between subject and object. The ancient Sanskrit word avaita translates to not to or no second. As a central principle of Vedantic philosophy, our ultimate existence as fields of energy or spirit nullifies all notions of a separated physical self. In other words, physical forms are illusions. As ice, water appears solid, and liquid water has a surface boundary. But as clouds, water vapor has no border or definable form. Because all matter is ultimately force fields of energy, all separation is merely an appearance. Our fingers look separate and distinct until we recognize them as extensions of a single hand. Our hands and arms appear divergent until we notice the torso. If someone punches you in the face and breaks your nose, you could easily separate yourself from the assailant. But claiming someone else caused your pain does not change the simple fact that it's your pain. It reveals your condition, 
and says little or nothing about whoever caused it. An awareness of non-duality eliminates divisive subject-object dichotomies, me or you, us or them, winners or losers, that fuel conflict and hostility. Accepting a non-dual view of reality can encourage us to feel safer by replacing loneliness, alienation, and competition with harmonious cooperation. A special ignorance. We can easily become so distracted by our monkey minds, we become unaware of the world, our feelings, and our thoughts. At times, we've all found ourselves continuing to idle at a traffic light after it's turned green. It's frustrating to forget where we left our keys or park the car at the shopping mall or wonder whether we locked the door or turned off the stove before leaving the house. Yet a poor memory is not the issue, because awareness is essential to intelligence in the formation of each memory Unawareness is a special ignorance. When we behave without conscious awareness, there is no mental impress to recall. It's striking to watch people take one step off an escalator, then fail to move aside, completely unaware that others are riding behind them, or watching commuters push onto a crowded train or elevator, before allowing departing riders to exit. Such people are not obtuse. They are oblivious. Much of our unawareness is taken for granted. When you look at rows of telephone poles, do you see tall trees stripped of their branches and foliage? Ever wonder where plastic comes from? Have you considered why dead cow meat is called beef and pig flesh is pork? How is preheating an oven different than heating an oven? Why do the words inflammable and flammable mean the same thing? And though we know the earth is spinning, why do we continue to speak about the sun, moon, and stars rising in the east and setting in the west? Awareness is not an all-or-nothing proposition. It is variable, a matter of degree. People with low self-awareness are often viewed as poorly educated, unreasonable, or foolish. But more often than not, they are simply living half asleep in the gloomy shadows of unawareness. A YouTube video by Monty Python's John Cleese went viral in 2014 with a derisive but humorous version of this imbroglio, commenting on the Hollywood film and TV industry. Cleese explains, The problem with people like this is that they are so stupid, they have no idea how stupid they are. You see, if you're absolutely no good at something at all, then you lack exactly the skills you need to know that you're absolutely no good at it. Two social psychologists from Cornell University, Dr. David Dunning and Dr. Justin Kruger, published research in 1999 about the tendency of people to overestimate their own competence. The basic tenet of the Dunning-Kruger effect is... The less you know, the more you think you know, and the less you believe there is to know. It's also called the American Idol Effect, after the countless inept singers who are convinced they are the next Beyonce or Michael Jackson. A few years after his study was released, Dunning summed it up with, One should pause to worry about one's own certainty not the certainty of others. Life is but a dream. Self-evaluation is biased by a lack of awareness, beginning with a childish need to please others. One night, many years ago, a dream revealed how simple-minded 
I had been about this. As a large crowd milled about, a disembodied voice told me these people were exclusively responsible for my dream, that I had nothing to do with it. I was shocked to learn my life was only an effect of what others thought. However, with reflection upon awakening, I realized I had been depending on other people to provide my self-worth, self-respect, and self-confidence. The poet Arthur Rimbaud cautioned us not to perceive ourselves through the eyes of others, writing, I is someone else. Because the words awareness and consciousness are so similar in meaning, it's ironic that self-awareness refers to the security found in accepting our individuality, while self-conscious implies a fear of what others might think of us. My dream offered me a clear choice. So, I appointed myself president of my fan club, captain of my ship, and master of my destiny. Initially, I was concerned about becoming overconfident, even pompous or arrogant. Yet I soon discovered that the more responsible I was for my life and affairs, the better I understood myself and the more I liked the parts of me hidden by my confusion and fear. In time, my new self-awareness made me more humble, enhanced my values, and developed my interest in empathy, compassion, and ancient wisdom teachings. So, what can we do to become more self-aware? What is the secret to authentic self-observation and the discovery of our uniqueness? What should we examine? Thoughts, emotional feelings, physical feelings, attitudes, beliefs, behavior, our impact on others? Thinking is overvalued. Excessive thinking often causes more problems than it solves. A poem titled The Centipede's Dilemma by Catherine Craster illustrates the point. A centipede was happy, quite, until a toad in fun said, Pray, which leg moves after which? This raised her doubts to such a pitch, she fell exhausted in the ditch, not knowing how to run. For centuries, sages, shamans, and gurus have insisted that limiting our search for merit or substance to logical reasoning leads to self-deception. Instead, both objective and subjective realities are most clearly perceived in the intuitive feelings and insight that persist in the still, quiet gaps between our thoughts. Logic is best used, then, to validate our intuition. Intentional versus unintentional thought It's one thing to deliberately think through a particular task, but task-unrelated thoughts or monkey mind generates confusion and little else. To avoid becoming ensnared in random and chaotic thoughts, we must learn to step back and watch our unintentional thoughts unfold without judging or analyzing them. Intrusive, unintentional thinking is an intrinsic and unavoidable phenomenon of mind. The unconscious mind generates streams of thoughts, some of which bubble up into awareness as pictures, words, or sensations. And yet awareness endures, with or without thought or feeling. Even the strange sensation of drawing a blank for a moment or two doesn't cause us to lose consciousness. Instead, we experience some degree of awareness of the expanding spaces between our thoughts. Thoughts are unnecessary to living. 
The essence of what it means to be alive is awareness, to be conscious, alert, interested, sensitive, and responsive. Life is aware of itself and curious about its environment, even at a cellular level. Many single-celled organisms swim, find food, learn, remember, and procreate without a brain, nervous system, or even a single neuron. Although the origins of conscious awareness remain a mystery, we know our physical bodies are made of the same material elements as the planets and stars. Astronomer Carl Sagan has written, All of the rocky and metallic material we stand on, the iron in our blood, the calcium in our teeth, the carbon in our genes were produced billions of years ago in the interior of a red giant star. We are made of star stuff. Humans are remarkably complex life forms with awareness, perception, tactile and emotional feelings, conscience, intuition, imagination, logic, and volition. So reality is more than physical energy and matter. There is life, conscious and aware of its existence. Awareness is the kingdom within the spirit or energy that animates and illumines us. All life is aware, but only to relative degrees. A commitment to personal development can expand awareness and raise our consciousness. Eureka Illumination and Stress Reduction Humans have always wondered about sudden illumination, the aha breakthrough, epiphany, revelation, inspiration, or second thought, which bursts into awareness spontaneously and full-blown. The experience is common, yet few people consider the significance of ideation, insight, and intuition arriving with such clarity and self-assurance the wisdom expressed through intuition appears to arrive from the unconscious mind. But many sensitive, self-aware people suggest their intuition comes through the unconscious mind from their elevated spiritual self. Psychologists label this immortal essence the transpersonal self, while philosophers, theologians, and mystics are more likely to use terms like overshadowing soul, higher self, or spirit. It is important to recognize that any effort to access intuition with logical, rational thought impedes intuitive insight and understanding. Consider the memory phenomenon known as the tip of the tongue, or presque vu, the harder we try to recall some word, phrase, or idea, even when it feels almost comprehensible, the more it eludes our awareness. And yet, mere seconds after releasing the effort and moving on with our trains of thought, aha, the awareness bursts open, revealing the information we were trying to recall. The adage that the harder you try, the worse we do is a long-established cornerstone of sports psychology, sometimes called paralysis by analysis. Expanded awareness, like physical performance, is a relaxation skill. Comprehension and understanding are greatly enhanced when the physical body feels safe and relaxed, the emotions are calm, and the mind is quiet and still. The innate wisdom masked by fear and heartache. Fear is a doorway to understanding yourself better. The secret is in learning to plumb the depth and breadth of your anxiety in relaxed levels of expanded awareness. 
Becoming more self-aware reveals the personal wisdom hidden within heartache and upset. As we understand ourselves better, we become less alienated and more content, calmer, happier, and more self-confident. Fewer random thoughts distract us. This or that occurs as this and that. Behavior becomes less reflexive, more appropriate, even-tempered, and well-reasoned. Soon, defensiveness yields to acceptance and Competition surrenders to cooperation. Lines fade, borders dissolve, and our perspective expands to include the wholeness of life. I was in my mid to late thirties when the ragged pieces of my life finally fell into place. I was sitting quietly with my eyes closed, relaxing to better sort through some vague thoughts that had been troubling me. I had no particular agenda. I'm not sure the word meditation would even apply. Suddenly, an inner voice interrupted my train of thought. As clearly as if seated beside me, a man's voice in a half-whisper that carried a kind but authoritative tone told me, The best parts of you are hidden, where you are most afraid to look. A resolute silence followed, as if time had frozen over. I repeated the sentence to myself to ensure I'd remember it, but I quickly realized my revelation was too profound to ever forget. I was transformed. I felt awakened, and as successive weeks became months, I understood my life would never be the same. I was no longer frightened by fear. For the first time in my life, I knew where to find the answers to my problems inside my deepest fears. My fear and heartache became a map and compass for discovering my best qualities, talents, and abilities. I had found strength in my vulnerability. My full capacity to love and be loved was patiently waiting for me to find my way through the miasma of confusion and ignorance. It was now clear that the only way out of pain, whether emotional or physical, is directly through it. There was no end run around it, no way over or under it. I had learned to face my fear and heartache, feel it fully, understand it, and then release it. I stopped comparing myself to others and turned within. Robert Frost's Road Less Traveled now meant much more to me. Rather than avoid my fear, I recognized it as a road sign pointing out the way to love, truth, wisdom, and understanding. The unfolding of our true nature begins the moment we confront fear and ignorance. I would need to follow my heartache to find my heart. Self-Awareness Inventory Developing self-awareness can be as easy as interviewing yourself, providing you ask the right questions. It's a good idea to write your answers to the following questions so that you may reread them from time to time and make additions as needed. This list is not exhaustive, just a good place to begin. Find a quiet place, turn off your phone, relax, and trust your first impressions as you ask yourself, What do I care about? Why do I care about these things? What do I want most of all? Why do I want it? What do I hate having to do? What makes me furious? What makes me tired? What makes me happy?
What do I spend too much time worrying about? Why do I worry about that? What frightens me? What helps me feel safe and relaxed? What would make me feel ultimately successful? What do I wish other people understood about me? If an epitaph were written for my tombstone, what would I like it to say? Although we can learn from asking ourselves any number of personal questions, the greatest insight comes from contemplating the questions we typically avoid. The Seduction of Fear Two striking absurdities need clarification. The first is the belief that fear helps us to be careful and safe. The second is the inverse assumption that feeling safe makes us vulnerable to danger. Both are false. Feeling safe and relaxed boosts awareness and intelligence, which makes us more alert, smarter, and safer. The silly belief that fear makes us safe comes from confusing physical tension with control. However, 50 years of research in sports psychology has proven that strength, power, coordination, and endurance are relaxation skills. Feeling truly safe, happy, and content can be frightening for those who are unfamiliar with the experience. Typically, they prefer the familiarity of the tension and discontent they know so well. You can release the false habit of conflating muscular tension with control by repeating the affirmation, I am in control of letting go of tension to feel safe and relaxed. People have a hard time letting go of their suffering, writes the Vietnamese Zen teacher Thich Nhat Hanh. Out of a fear of the unknown, they prefer suffering that's familiar. Psychotherapist and author Sheldon B. Kopp describes the lure of fear and heartache as preferring the security of known misery to the misery of unfamiliar insecurity. Similarly, the Narcotics Anonymous book states, Many of us cling to our fears, doubts, self-loathing, or hatred because there is a certain distorted security in familiar pain. It seems safer to embrace what we know than to let go of it for fear of the unknown. Further, fear can seem exciting and vital. There is little difference between the way oh no and oh boy feel in the body. Symptoms common to both include weak knees, girded loins, nervous stomach, heart palpitations, lump in the throat, and sweaty palms. A few slow, deep breaths with an overall feeling of letting go of muscular tension converts anxiety into enthusiasm and a sense of adventure. Relative and Absolute Truth the more frightened, confused, and unaware we become, the more likely we are to see the world in absolute, binary terms. Psychologists use the term splitting to refer to the fight-or-flight reflex inhibiting cognitive efforts to view dissimilar values as non-threatening and inclusive. Routine anxiety, stress, and fear also foster childish defense mechanisms that suppress hurtful emotions. Tactics like denial, the aloofness known as the cold shoulder, or the smug I-don't-care attitude. Tragically, attempts to quash any feeling 
can cause the suppression of all feelings, happiness and joy, as well as heartache and sadness. Clinging to fear as if it protects us or helps us to be careful also promotes the debilitating us-versus-them mentality. All or nothing, this or that, good or bad, right or wrong, with nothing in between. It rarely occurs to people to face fear and look for the relative truth in it. Most never get past the binary good guy, bad guy split and fail to consider the overriding truth that everyone has light, shadow, and many shades of gray within them. Frightened people defend their viewpoints as if all differences are opposites. They feel opposed and threatened by any disagreement to any degree and refuse to acknowledge the concept of agree to disagree. They are likely to view their beliefs as thoroughly correct and good, while every variation, combination, or permutation must be completely wrong and bad. Imagine one fine day in January, my Hawaiian friend Piccolo meets my Alaskan friend Joe at my home in Los Angeles. The temperature is 62 degrees Fahrenheit, about 17 degrees Celsius. Piccolo says he's chilly and asks to borrow a jacket. Joe's wearing a t-shirt and insists the weather is balmy. Who's right? Perhaps you eat beef, but not dog meat. Other people eat dogs, but respect the cow as sacred. Who's right? The vegan says they're both wrong. Many gardeners think nothing of poisoning rodents and snails in their vegetable patch, but become upset when their family dog dies from ingesting the same toxic pellets. Absolute truth is elusive. Proofs, facts, and truths do exist in math and science, at least until contradicted by new information. For example, quantum physicists are now challenging even the fundamental assumption that the speed of light is a constant 186,000 miles per second. Is it not possible for scientists and mathematicians to search for absolute truths while Personal values, ethics, morality, and perspectives are seen as relatively true. While the final score of a football game may be absolutely undisputable, questions of how well each team played may remain matters of relative opinion. People with low self-awareness may cry out for the clear certainty of absolutism, but it does not exist. In philosophy, the only absolute is the one life, the harmony and unity of all things in the cosmos. Human fear and ignorance are at the core of all problems. So expanded awareness and understanding stand at the heart of all solutions. Wisdom respects the relative merit of all ideas. Aristotle touched on this when he wrote, it is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting it. To recognize love as awareness and fear as unawareness sheds light upon Christ's admonition to love your enemy, turn the other cheek, resist not evil. In other words, the physical relaxation engendered by faith and fearlessness fosters awareness, insight, and understanding. Those who limit the meaning of love to emotional affinity will always struggle with this basic concept of Christianity. Love your enemy refers to awareness, redeeming fear, confusion, and ignorance. Most religious scholars recognize spiritual love as awareness, insight, healing, faith, fearlessness, and wisdom, qualities that are much more refined 
than emotional love, which generates a full range of feelings from ecstatic bliss to devastating heartache, abandonment, and grief. When taken too literally, the biblical phrase God-fearing is also misunderstood. The Hebrew word for fear, yira, means reverence and awe. Notice the conflicting meanings in the words awesome and awful. Consider, too, the scriptures, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Also, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. And yet, the fear of Jehovah is the beginning of wisdom. So while emotional love may break your heart, love as awareness is healing wisdom, redeeming all heartache, ignorance, and fear. And that is fearless intelligence. It is impossible to hate hatred, though we may find it disgraceful, even contemptible. In writing, Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Dr. Martin Luther King was not speaking of love as an emotion, but as awareness and compassion. Anger and hatred are not substantial and cannot exist when exposed to the light of love as awareness, healing, and understanding. Exercises Commit to monitoring your self-talk. Listen carefully to your internal self-criticism. What part of you surfaces to contradict negative thinking? If these two arguments are you, then who is listening? Who decides which internal voice to accept? and which to reject. Practice sorting and naming your emotional feelings as you become aware of them. For example, how much easier is it to manage anger when you admit, I'm angry or I'm becoming angry? Then go deeper. Ask yourself, is my anger made up of frustration? Does the frustration hurt? Does it feel desperate or sad? Am I using anger as a defensive shield? And ultimately, what fear is at the root of these feelings? Ooh.